Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, it's so good to have all of you today at all of our churches. And if it's your first day at one of our churches with us, you could not have picked a better day to join us because we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about an idea that is really core to what we do and why we do what we do as a church. And it's really core for you as an individual because this is what you were created to be as an individual. So you've heard us say this many times if you've been around RCC, and that is this. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So for the next couple of weeks, we want to dive into what these two words, growing relationship, really means. Because I just want to say to you as our pastor, I, I think if there was ever time in your life in a season of a church where you should take a growing relationship with Jesus serious, it is now. Because one of the things that happens is when you're not focused on a growing relationship with Jesus, what happens is, is you tend to get crisis-centered in your focus instead of Christ-centered in your focus. And so we kind of begin this series with saying, this is so important for you to focus on having a growing relationship with Jesus. And the other thing is we begin this series, we're kind of making an assumption, and I think it's a really safe one, and we're making the assumption that you have an interest in having this growing faith uh, because you wouldn't be here if you didn't have an interest in growing faith. And even if you are with us today at one of your ch our churches and you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus or you're kind of skeptical about whether there's a God, here's what I know. You probably wouldn't be with us if you weren't a little curious. And here's what we know. Curiosity is great when it comes to exploring faith. Matter of fact, one of the things you need to know about us as a church is that we believe Everybody can step, take a step to grow in their faith regardless of where they're at on their faith journey. In fact, we believe that a growing relationship with Jesus is possible not just for church people or spiritual people or Christian people, but a growing relationship with Jesus is possible for all people. In fact, we would go so far as to say this, it is best for all people. And I think in this season, it is really important for all people. And here is why. Following Jesus will make your life better, and it will make you better at life. In fact, having spent the majority of my life following Jesus, I absolutely believe that this statement, following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life, is true. Because see, what happens is when you follow Jesus, it helps you recognize your value and your worth as an individual. Because your value is what somebody would be willing to pay for you, and Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He, he felt like you were valuable enough that he would, he would give everything for you in order to have a relationship with you. That's how valuable you are to him. So it helps you recognize your value and your worth as an individual. And then when you recognize your value and your worth as an individual, what happens is you're confident in who you are and in whose you are, and you don't allow insecurity and fear to sabotage your life. You don't live letting fear and insecurity sabotage you. So when that's happening, your life is better. But not only that, following Jesus, it helps you discover your purpose in life. And so you begin to live life every day with this sense of meaning and significance. So that makes your life better. And then following Jesus, as we just sang about, it provides you with peace because you're able to live with peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others. So it just makes your life better. But on the flip side of that, following Jesus, it makes you better at life. See, Jesus teaches us how to be better at forgiveness. 
better at facing suffering, better at making decisions, better at dealing with crisis, better at dealing with your money and better at being a parent or better being a spouse and a friend. I mean, the list could go on. When you start following Jesus and you start listening to the teachings of Jesus, I mean, it radically begins to change your life because Jesus leads us into this upside-down kingdom that is so different from our world, but it just makes you better at life. So if you ask me if having a growing relationship with Jesus Christ matters, I would say it absolutely does, especially in this season, not just because you want to spend eternity in heaven, but because it affects your life and impacts your life right here and now. But it not only impacts your life, but it impacts the way that you relate and the way that you interact with other people. So if all of that is true, if following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life, if that's true, how do you have a growing relationship with Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to spend the next couple of weeks discussing. We absolutely pray that it really helps every one of us really know how those of us who are followers of Jesus know how to better have a growing relationship with Jesus. And if you're with us at one of our churches and you're not a follower of Jesus, we pray this help you understand what it means to follow and why you should consider following Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Whenever we talk about this topic of personal growth, of spiritual growth, of having a relationship with Jesus, one of the first questions that usually will pop up is this. So what's my role and what's God's role? So what's God's responsibility? And then what am I responsible for? Well, to get us started answering that question, we're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote about what it means to have a growing relationship with Jesus. And then we're going to talk about five things that God uses to make that kind of relationship happen. So in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, so if you've got your Bibles, you want to go to Philippians chapter 2, that's where we're going to be this morning. Here's what he says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And then he continues. He says, let's take it even up another level. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind, or some of your translations or versions might have, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says to us, for those of you who consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is your standard. He says, this is what spiritual growth and this is what spiritual maturity looks like. So what does spiritual growth and maturity look like? It looks like us developing the same mindset or the same attitude as Jesus. Well, what is that mindset? What is that attitude? Let me just kind of break it down for you. It's the attitude of humility, as the Apostle Paul said, that values others before self. And it's the attitude of serving, as the Apostle Paul said, that prioritizes others before self. This is what it looks like to be like Jesus. This is the kind of character. This is the attitude that makes your life better. And the reality is, None of us would argue with that. I mean, imagine how much better your life would be and how much better you would be at life if in your friendships this was your attitude. 
If in your marriage, this was your attitude. If in your family, this was in your, your attitude. If in your work, this was your attitude. If this is how you lived life 24-7. It's an attitude of humility that values others before self and an attitude of serving that prioritizes others before self. Now, here's the thing. For those of you that might be at our churches this morning who don't follow Jesus, imagine how much more you would like us Jesus followers if we lived with an attitude of humility and an attitude of servanthood. If in every interaction you saw us demonstrating the kind of humility that values others before self. Imagine if you always saw us serving in a way that prioritizes others before ourselves. Imagine if when you met a Christ follower, you knew that you could trust that Christ follower completely because they would put your interest over their own interest. Now, if you're not a Christ follower with us today, wouldn't you want to be around people who say they follow Jesus, they live like that? I mean, here's the thing. Some of you are Christ followers. You go, oh, I would just love to be around some Christ followers that live that way. See, think about it. We would have more people in our communities who would want to follow Jesus if this is how we, as followers of Jesus, define spiritual maturity and define spiritual growth and live this out. See, what we know is people would want to follow Jesus because one of the greatest frustrations that non-Christians have with Christians would disappear, and that is that who Jesus is and who we are is so far apart. But here's the thing we know. This is not always true of our life, even those of us who want to have this attitude of humility and have this attitude of serving, because this is hard. It, it's really hard. And because it's hard, what's happened is most people who are Christ followers, they try to avoid being held to this as the standard of spiritual growth. Instead, what happens is we start defining spiritual growth, or in the church world, we start defining spiritual growth or spiritual maturity by how how much of the scripture we know. That, that's how we've started defining spiritual maturity. But here's the thing. The apostle Paul comes along and says, no, spiritual maturity is not by how much you know, but it's by how well you live and you love like Jesus. Because the apostle Paul said, listen, knowledge without application, and Jesus even said this, as we're going to see in just a moment, it doesn't lead to growth. The apostle Paul said, no, it leads to pride. It puffs up. And that's what this means practically in our life is if we live and follow Jesus, we will live with this kind of attitude. Now, how else is this practical in our lives? Well, it means this. If we show up at church every Sunday and we take notes or if we read our Bible on a daily basis or if I'm in a Bible study every week, but it does not lead me to have more humility that values others before self. And it doesn't lead me to prioritize serving others over self, then I'm not following Jesus. If it doesn't lead to this in my life, then I've missed the point entirely because here's what the Apostle Paul believed, and we find this throughout his epistles, and that is this spiritual growth isn't measured by how much you know, but by how well you love. That's what spiritual growth is measured by. See, the, the, the Apostle Paul, he taught. That, in fact, he only ever taught is the only way to measure spiritual growth is by the level of loving and serving and valuing others because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus modeled for us. 
So the question becomes, how do we develop this kind of attitude, this spiritual growth of like, it's, I'm defined by how well I love. How do I get better at valuing others like Jesus valued them and serving others like Jesus served them and loving others like Jesus loved them? Well, the Apostle Paul, he gives us the answer in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, if you want to follow along there. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and this idea of obeyed means that they have tried to follow, they have tried to honor Jesus. Notice what he goes on and says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Then he tells us, he says, here's the key to your spiritual growth. Here's the key. Here's what he says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So here's what he's saying. When it comes to your your spiritual growth, he's saying that God has a part and you have a part. We both have a part. Now, what is God's part? Well, God's part is to work in you and to act according to his purpose. So you're going, what, what does that mean according to his good purpose? Well, it means God's role in our life is to come in our life and and he, he, he does that through the person of the Holy Spirit, through his word, through other believers that we have in our life, and begins to point out areas in our life where we need to grow. Areas where you can believe and behave, and the key word is those go together. It's not just about believing more, it's also about behaving more like Jesus. And then God promises through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do that, to give us the ability to, re- to change. That's God's responsibility to work in us. Well, what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to work out what God is working in. It is to cooperate with God. And the way that you cooperate with God is by putting yourself in a position to grow. It's paying attention to what God is doing in you. And then you put yourself in a position where you're staying in step with God on a daily, regular basis so that God can, you can apply what God is teaching you and you can work out what God is working in. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, when you're doing this, you're fulfilling God's good purpose for your life. And you go, well, what is God's good purpose? Well, what is God's good purpose is that your life is growing in faith in God, the kind of faith That no matter what you face, no matter what crisis is going your way, no matter what storm is happening in your life, you trust God. And I want to say something, because I really believe that because we've taken our eyes off of a growing relationship with Jesus in this past season where we've just been in crisis, we've become a a crisis-centered people, group of Christ followers, instead of a Christ-centered group of Christ followers. And so what happens is when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you start getting shook up when a storm comes and you forget that Jesus is in the boat. But I'm just telling you folks, Jesus is still in your boat no matter what crisis, no matter what storm that you're dealing with. So it's all about building this faith. You trust God no matter what. You're confident that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do exactly what he says he will do. And please understand this. The reason this matters to God 
so much that we trust him no matter what is because trust is the foundation for all healthy relationships, including your relationship with your heavenly father. So every time you're more focused on Jesus and you're trusting him more, what's happening is it causes your faith to grow and that leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. So what I want to do for the next few minutes, and then we're going to carry this into next week, is I'm going to explain to you how you can work out what God is working in, how you can cooperate with God to grow. Now, what we've said for years around here is there are five things that God uses to grow your faith. And now, when we talk about these five things that God uses to grow your faith, here's what you need to know. While all of these things are from Scripture, you're not going to find just like one verse in Scripture that lists all five of these things in order. In fact, we could give you a lot more than five things that God uses to grow your faith because there are more than five things that God uses to grow your faith. But the reality is, over the years, as we've heard people tell their story of how God has grown their faith, how they've experienced this growing relationship with Jesus, all of them have kind of developed this predictable pattern as people are telling their faith story. And, and there's these five things that just tend to show up time after time again. So here's the thing. When you're able to understand that these are tools that God uses, these are processes that God uses, what happens is you can work out what God is working in because you can cooperate with God by putting yourself in a position to be in a growing relationship with Jesus. So I hope all of you are ready to grow because here's, we're going to help you understand how do you work out what God is working in? How do you put yourself in a place so that you can have a growing relationship with Jesus? Well, here's the first thing. The first thing that God uses is practical teaching, practical teaching. God uses practical teaching to grow your faith. Whenever you hear people tell their faith story, at some point along the way, they'll start saying something like this. Well, I heard this preacher and man, he just made so much sense when it came to life. Or I started going to this church and man, it was so helpful. I mean, they, they helped me understand how I could apply scripture to my life. Or I went to this small group or this Bible study and I understood, started understanding what the Bible says to do, and it changed my life. Or I just had this friend, and they begin to explain Scripture to me, and it made so much sense. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, for the very first time in my life, this wasn't just this big, thick book that I couldn't understand. For the very first time in my life, I not only understood what the Bible said, but I understood how to apply it. See, that's the practical part. That's the working out what God is working in. I am applying what God is saying in my life. In fact, Jesus taught us this. Listen to what he said at the end of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And notice what God says happens if you do this. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Don't miss this. Jesus said that if you just hear God's word and you just know more information, it does not help you. It's not enough just to hear no more. Because if you read on in this passage, what happens? Another guy, he goes out and builds his house, but he builds it on the sand. And Jesus said, that's like a person who hears God's word and doesn't apply it. And the winds and the, and the waves and the, and the rains come, excuse me, and it just beats the house down, right? The house falls. 
So Jesus says, hey, it's not enough just to hear and know. We have to practice. We have to apply what God is saying. And when we begin to apply what we hear, he says, what it does, it helps build our faith so that you can withstand the storms that you're going to experience in your life. Now, I just want to tell you, you can do a self-check right here because if storms take you out and you call yourself a Christ follower, what it means is we're hearing and we're gaining knowledge, but the application is not there to build the foundation. And that is so important. And that's why at every age level in our church, we are very intentional about providing not just accurate teaching or truthful teaching. We want to provide accurate and truthful teaching. But we want to provide accurate and truthful teaching that's practical, that's easy to understand, that you have the ability to start applying on Monday. I mean, it's why we do this with our preschoolers. We do it with our elementary age kids. We do this for our middle school and our high school students. And I do my best, even as a teacher for you, is to make sure that you hear something every week that is practical that you can apply in your life. I mean, we are so committed to this that every week I have people edit and evaluate my sermons every week because we want you to be very clear about how you are to apply what Scripture says because Jesus said information without application is worthless. There is no foundation. You could say it this way. Information without application lacks foundation. So we go through multiple edits of my sermons and feedback because, man, we are just so convinced that practical teaching is the catalyst for spiritual growth. And we don't ever, please hear this, we don't ever want you to walk away going, how was that helpful? You should always leave going, wow, there's something that I could apply to my life that would change my life and help me to grow. In fact, sometimes people will come to me even and say, man, we wish you would go deeper in the Word. I'm like, I just wish you would apply that one thing that we taught you. That's how you get deeper. That's how you get deeper. Application takes you deeper. More knowledge doesn't take you deeper. It's the application of it. And people go, well, what do you mean by that? And it's like, well, listen to what Jesus said. And it's like, how do we miss this line in Scripture? If you don't apply it, you've got no foundation. So let me just kind of give you a couple questions for application. Are you listening to practical teaching on a consistent basis? Are you listening to practical teaching on a consistent basis? And this word consistent right here is the primary thing you need to focus on. Because see, here's the thing. When you go to church week after week, and then you go out on Monday through Saturday, and you practice what you hear, what you're doing, if you do that 50, 52 times a year, what you're doing is you're taking about 52 small steps in your spiritual growth every year. And I'm going to tell you something. At the end of that year, all of a sudden, you're looking back, and you're a different person than what you were at the beginning of the year. Now, if you show up for 52 Sundays, and you just listen, but you don't apply, at the end of that year, you're just angry with God because your life is more miserable. But the difference is in the application. And by the way, parents, let me just say this. This is one of the hidden costs that you pay as a parent when you don't have your children in church on a regular basis. And please hear me. I'm not trying to guilt you in any way. But I want you to be aware because whenever your child miss the consistent, practical teaching of then, here's the teaching from God's Word, but then this is how we want you to apply it this week. What happens is when they start missing that, you don't see the effects of that immediately immediately. 
But what it does is it shows up down the road, and then when you want church to be important to them or you want somebody in the church to fix them, the problem is you haven't modeled or taught them that practical teaching with application matters. And here's the thing you got to understand. This practical teaching thing, it's not a feel-good kind of thing. It's not always a feel-good kind of thing because God's Word doesn't always make you feel good. Sometimes it's sweet as honey, and sometimes it is bitter. But it is a process of saying, okay, God, how are you working in so that I can work out? Which leads us to our second question when it comes to practical teaching. What are you doing with what you hear? Are you applying what you know? See, the problem with most Christ followers is not that they need more information, but they need more application. And here's the thing I know about applying God's word. It's not easy because when you start doing what Jesus said, it requires you to change in ways that you're not comfortable because Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. If you are following Jesus and doing the same thing the world is doing, then you're not following Jesus. Because when you start following Jesus and applying his, his teaching to your life, it flips your world upside down, and you will always be going against the current of this world. Now, see, here's the thing. You feel this, and you know this. It's why some of you, when I'm teaching, you're always arguing with me in your head because, you know what? You would rather have more knowledge about forgiveness than to go out and apply forgiveness. You would rather have more knowledge about how the Scripture teaches us to have self-control than to go out and develop self-control. See, it's a lot easier to get more knowledge about, you know, what the Greek says about serving and loving and, and being generous than it is to go out and really serve and to love and to be generous. But here's the thing that Jesus teaches us and the Apostle Paul affirms is that the point of teaching is application. It's not information. The information should always lead to application. And application is where life change comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So every time you hear teaching from the Bible, you should ask yourself this question right here. How will my life be different today because of what I just heard? So every time you hear a preacher speak, you should ask yourself this question. Every time you sit in a small group, you should ask yourself this question. Every time you open up your scripture every day of the week, yes, you should be opening up your scripture every day of the week because the Holy Spirit said he will teach you. So every time you open up scripture, you should be asking yourself this question. How will my life be different today because of what I just heard or because of what I just read? So the first faith catalyst that when God is working in, your part is to work out is by putting yourself in a constant position. It should become a habit of your life where you are listening to practical teaching. The second catalyst for spiritual growth is this. It's called personal ministry. And here's the thing that we discovered. When people tell their faith story, they, talking about the, they start talking about the time also, not just when the Bible started getting clear, but when somebody invited or convinced or recruited them to start volunteering in their church or volunteering in a nonprofit organization in their community. And what they'll say is, oh, I didn't want to do that at first, or I felt so inadequate, or I just felt like I was too busy. But because they didn't want to say no to a friend or they felt like somebody had to do it, they got involved in serving. And without exception, they'll talk about their faith. When I started serving, my faith has never been the same since. Because what they do is they look back, and instead of seeing it as an experience that was an obligation, 
they start believing that God gave them an opportunity, an incredible opportunity to experience personal growth. Now, here's, the, here's why that's so important. The reason often the time God uses personal ministry as a faith catalyst in our life is that what happens is, is when you step out and you start serving, it puts you in a position where you have to trust God to do something in you and through you that you could not do for yourself or on your own. In other words, you have to trust him completely to help you lead that small group. You have to trust him completely to help you connect with those middle school students. You have to trust him completely to help you love those preschoolers that you don't feel capable of loving, or you don't feel talented enough or spiritually mature enough to be able to lead them. See, you have to trust God to use your talents and your abilities. You have to trust God to use your talents, your smiles, to take your efforts and use them to help other people see Jesus Christ and understand how much he loves them. And here's what happens. In the process of personal ministry or serving others, what you do is, is you, are, you allow God to use you to help you grow somebody else. And here's what you'll discover whenever you start allowing God to use you to help grow somebody else. In the process, he actually grows you the most. He actually grows you the most. In fact, one of the greatest misconceptions that people have when we talk about people serving in our church is they think that we're just trying to get something from them. And no, quite honestly, that's not the primary reason that we ask people to serve. We're not trying to just get something from somebody. We're trying to give something to you because here's the thing. We know how much serving others on a regular, consistent basis, how it grows your faith. But here's the thing. Please understand this. This is why this personal ministry is so important as a faith catalyst. When you fail to develop the habit, don't miss what I just said there. When you fail to develop the habit of regularly serving others, what you do is you miss those opportunities and you miss those moments when God shows up in a big way in your life and God shows up in a big way in somebody else's life and God works in and through you in a personal way. In fact, the apostle Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says this, and he's speaking to Christ followers here. He says, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others. And then he says, faithfully administering God's grace. And this faithfully administering is the idea of being faithful. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God wants to take, and here's what Peter is saying to us. God wants to take whatever, God, whatever gift that God has given you, and he wants to take those gifts, and he wants to use them to help you help others. And he wants to use that gift to help others. What does he want them to do? Experience God's grace in its various form, in this phrase in its various form, in a way that only you can do it. So God has a specific thing that he wants to do for, through you in other people's lives. So for some of you, it's, it's you taking your ability to connect with that preschool child and, and he'll use you to help that preschool child begin to experience God's grace at that level. For others of you, it's taking your ability, your gift to connect with high school boys or middle school boys and help them begin to experience God's grace at that level. For others of you, it's taking your gift of hospitality or making people feel welcome so that you can host a small group in your home and use your gift to help people experience God's grace in your home. 
Here's the thing. God wants to use your gift to lead or organize or create, but in some way serve other people. But here's the thing. You can use your gift to show people how much God loves them by helping them experience God's grace in its various form, in a way that only you can do it. So when it comes to personal ministry, here's the application question for you to ask yourself, and that is this. Where do you regularly serve others? Where, where do you regularly serve others? Because I'm just telling you, if you don't make this a habit of your life, what's going to happen is you're going to miss out on a major growth part that God wants to create in your life. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose the whole habit or miss having the habit of developing something in your life that helps you to put and value others over yourself. So where do you regularly serve others? It may be within our church. It may be within a nonprofit in our, our community. Maybe some of you volunteer at the local schools. Maybe you serve a family that has kind of some needs in your neighborhood. But you need to serve consistently or you fall in the trap, as I just said, of vowing yourself before others because that is what is natural to every one of us. Now, here's the thing. If you're answering this question, go, you know what? I need to start doing this. I have been so crisis-focused instead of Christ-centered in my life. I need to start getting engaged and serving others so that I start valuing others over myself. I start serving others as a priority of myself. Then you just need to stop by the gallery on your way out. It's in the lobbies um, as you leave today or you, and join us at Engage at lunchtime today. We'd love to help you um, ex explore this even another level. Let us know in the Connect card if you can't do either one of those. But we'd love to help you because here's the thing. We are convinced that personal ministry is so important that we say it this way around here. The path to discipleship, it begins with serving. We, we miss that. We miss that in our teachings. The path to discipleship, it begins with serving. Jesus, as he is about to launch his disciples out, right before he goes to the cross, and he's to give the biggest sacrifice that's ever been given to show people how much he loves them. What's he do? He picks up the towel. He sees a need in the room, and he picks up a towel, and he washes the disciples' feet. That's our model. That should be our mindset as we go through our life. Who do I need to serve today? Now, there are three more faith catalysts that are crucial for spiritual growth. They are private disciplines, providential relationships, and pivotal circumstances. And next week, we're going to talk about all three of these. But today, I just want to challenge you to take a step. I mean, you just learned some practical things. We gave you some practical questions. Now apply what you know. Just take a step. Maybe your step is to say no to some things that you do on the weekend so that you or your kids can hear practical teaching every week. Maybe your step is to start serving so that you have, have the habit or develop the habit of prioritizing others above yourself and loving other people, but you need to take a step because spiritual growth, please understand this, it is not a destination. Your spiritual growth is a journey of working out what God is working in. And the moment that you stop taking steps is the moment that you stop growing in your spiritual journey. Now, here's why this also matters so much as well. You can't always see your growth in the moment. Make sure you understand that. You can't always see your spiritual growth in the moment. And you can't always see your lack of spiritual growth in the moment. Sometimes you're growing spiritually and you just don't feel it. Other times you're going backwards spiritually and you don't even know it. 
So you can't measure your growth by how you feel. You measure your growth, and you definitely don't measure your growth by what you know. But the reality is the way that you can be confident that you are growing in your spiritual life, in your relationship with Jesus, is to begin to put these habits in your life consistently. When you're consistently hearing and applying practical teaching, then here's what happens. You're growing in your faith whether you feel like it or not. Whenever you're consistently serving other people, you're growing spiritually whether you know it or not. And what oftentimes happens is you, when you're listening to practical teaching and then applying it, or you're serving others, or you're doing a combination of both, which you should, and then you look back a year later and you go, wow, look at where I was in my relationship with God, and now look at where I am today. Or other people all of a sudden start going, man, what has changed about you? And what has changed is you started applying what you knew, and then you also started making other people a priority by consistently serving, making that a habit in your life. So don't make the mistake of measuring your growth by feelings because you're going to fool, your, fool yourself if you do that, and you sure don't want to fool yourself. You want a growing relationship with Jesus. That's why you're here. So take the next step that God is leading you to take today and then make that the process of your life from this day forward. Don't just listen anymore and not take steps. Continue to take steps of following Jesus, especially applying these five habits because this is how God works in you and this is how you work out what God is working in. And I'm going to tell you, when you start living and leading this way, all of a sudden, man, you're going to start loving people beyond anything that you ever thought. And I'm telling you, it will make your life better and it's going to make you so much better at life. And here's the bigger thing. It'll take your life from being crisis-centered to Christ-centered. So no matter what the crisis, you're not in chaos. You're not frustrated like everybody else because you remember that in the middle of the storm, guess who's still in the boat with me? Jesus is still in the boat. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for the truth from your word. And God, today we ask that it just does not create information in our minds, but it creates application through our lives. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that, that you have made available that indwells us 24-7. And that you will lead us and you will guide us into all truth. And you'll also give us the strength to live out what you've called us to live. God, we understand that what you've called us to do, it is upstream from this world and this culture that we live in. And so, Lord, help us to be salt and light. Help us to be salt and light in this world. Because we love people well. Because our attitude is that of humility. And we prioritize people by serving them well. God, we thank you for the change that's going to make in our lives. But we also thank you for how it's going to change our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. We'll finish up this conversation next week. Now, some of you are going to be asking, because I had people ask me this between services, what about the parenting series we're supposed to start? We moved that to um, the beginning of September. And so just so you know, we haven't forgot it. We are going to do it, and uh, we just want to make sure our school got in and settled in since we had to pause last Sunday in person. So have a great day. We'll see you next week.